Texas running back Bijan Robinson would be a home run pick for the Atlanta Falcons in round one, according to my guest, Locked On NFL Drafts, Keith Sanchez. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black and the most humble host known internationally in Singapore, in Liechtenstein, in the Seychelles, in Guinea-Bissau, all over the world for this illustrious podcast here on part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day, and thank everyone that makes this illustrious, world-renowned podcast their first listen each and every day. Of course, you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, I will be having my guest, Keith Sanchez, one half of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, also of the Draft Network, on to give his thoughts on the Falcons uh, draft plans later on in the episode, I will come back and talk about miles Murphy, the Clemson pass rushers uh, pro day testing and how that's going to affect his draft stock and potentially be in the mix for the Falcons pick at uh, in round one. But first we'll have Keith talking about who he'd love to see the Falcons take in round one. Why Texas tech pass rusher Tyree Wilson isn't getting as much buzz as you would think a player who's a consensus top 10 pick uh, would be getting up to this point. And so we'll get into all of that guys uh, right now with Keith Sanchez of the locked on NFL podcast, locked on NFL draft podcast. Sorry. All right, everyone. We are back with another illustrious guest. He is Keith Sanchez covers the NFL draft at Locked On NFL Draft, along with Damian Parson. He's also covering the draft over at the Draft Network. And as you can check out over my shoulder, uh, he is single-handedly responsible for building the 2019 <laughs> LSU National Champion football team. Keith, my friend, welcome to the show. Oh, man, that might have been the best intro I ever had, man. You might you might have gave me way too much credit, man. We have to uh, – we got to mention names <laughs> like Joe Burrow and Jamal T. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards, and Les. So as much as I like to take all the credit for man, I can't, man. I can't. Okay. All right. Well, you know, you can be humble here on the Lock On Falcons <laughs> podcast. Um, but, you know, let, let's let's talk a little bit about this draft. Let's talk a little bit about the Falcons situation heading into this draft. And I'm, I'm just curious, you know, I've seen you mock certain players of the Falcons in some of your recent mocks over at the Draft Network. Um, I'm just curious, like, sitting here today, we're recording this in early April, you know, is there a player that you could see the Falcons taking at eight that you would sit there and say on draft night, that's a home run pick for the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, and it's it's not popular, right? I, I know everybody's gonna kill me for this. I, I know it, but it's B. John Robinson. And and just let me explain. Let me finish explaining. I know everybody's gonna hear running back. There's no way in hell you should take a running back in top 10 positional value. I've heard everything, right? But I look at the way this team is constructed, right? You have Kyle Pitts, you have Drake London. So you have a, a year two, a, going into year two guy and then going into a year three guy, right? You have Desmond Ritter, who was a rookie quarterback. And then you have a head coach that was with Tennessee 
when they had Derrick Henry, right? And you're talking about running him to the playoffs. And you're talking about in the division in the NFC South where it's up for grabs, right? Like the Saints, maybe they get things done because they have Derek Carr now. But outside of that, Tampa Bay is going to have Baker Mayfield. The Carolina Panthers are going to have one of these rookie quarterbacks. So you, I don't think you feel comfortable with saying that they're, you know, front runners. But I think if the Falcons can start the year off last year, how they well start the year off how they did last year, running the football. And I think they caught a lot of people off guard by just being a more physical team, right? And, and B. John Robinson is a special back. And then now I, I ask you, okay, what does that skill position group look like? You're talking about Kyle Pitts, athletic freak, athletically superior at his position group, right? Drake London, one of those guys that's 6'4", plays above the rim, can physically dominate people. Then you have B. John Robinson, who's one of those guys also. So now you have three of those type of players, all at different positions, um, and you have one of the better skill position groups. So I, I, I just like it as a splash pick, but I think you get immediate return on that also. Yeah, this is a safe space for B. John Robinson to the Atlanta Falcons. I am glad to hear that, man. I am glad to hear that because, listen, there are not a lot of safe spaces out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, they had a lot of success last year running the football with Tyler Algier, but, you know, it wasn't as if Algier was, like, single-handedly carrying the Falcons' run game. He got a lot of help from Caleb Huntley. He got a lot of help from Cordero Patterson. Patterson's a year older. Huntley tore his Achilles at the end of the season. So adding to that running back room to me makes a lot of sense. And if you're going to add to the position, why not take the best player in the draft um, and arguably a player that a lot of people think would be the best running back um, in, you know, lots of drafts going back several years. I'm, I'm just curious, sort of when you stack Bijan Robinson historically against some of the other more recent running backs that were high draft picks, where do you sort of see him? Yeah, I, I think Saquon Barkley, I think Todd Gurley. Um, in my opinion, I think he's better than Ezekiel Elliott. He's more versed in what he can do. But like in recent history, I think those are the two guys. And, and let's tie that together, right? We're talking about Saquon Barkley, who just ran his team to the playoffs, right? If Saquon Barkley was an average running back, the Giants are not making it to the playoffs, right? They made it to the playoffs because Saquon Barkley is a is a special talent. You look at Todd Gurley, right? Before the Rams won a Super Bowl, they had that other Super Bowl run with Jared Goff at quarterback. Ty Gurley ran them to the Super Bowl in that moment also. So I think that's where I'm, I'm trying to get you know, in a safe space, try to, you know, convince people that this is not a bad thing. I mean, I, I agree that you continue to build the team out, but with a year two quarterback and you give that guy some help, right? Like just being able to dump the ball off to a guy like Bijan Robinson and him being able to pick up 10, 15 yards, that makes a difference. So I think of even Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys, he came in at his rookie year, right? And then they had Dak Prescott in that situation, but Ezekiel Elliott was the bell cow for that team for to allow them to win a lot of games and make the playoffs, and I could see a situation like that occurring um, for the Atlanta Falcons. So, of course, guys, there's more to come on today's Locked on Falcons, including why Tyree Wilson is not getting more buzz from, you know, the draft community at large, despite him being consistently uh, ranked highly among this draft crop. But before we get there, 
I want to tell you that the NBA playoffs is almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means you get bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Or you can go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up and claim your no-sweat first bet. And then you can wager from anything from the money line to point scored to threes drain. And if betting on the NBA is not your speed, you can still head on over to Fandle and smash that over on the Falcons winning more than seven and a half games. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat, no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you join Fandle today, head on over to Fandle.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with Fandle, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, talking here with Keith Sanchez of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, and I want to talk about another player that is a potential top 10 pick. And I'm just curious to pick your brain on him in Texas Tech's pass rusher Tyree Wilson. It seems to me that like I, I look at all these draft boards, uh, and pretty much everybody consistently has him in their like, top 10, top 12 players. So I, I think it's pretty safe to say that he's probably a consensus top 10 player, but most of in these pre-draft process, we talk about all these high-end players and we kind of nitpick them to death. And it just feels like Tyree Wilson has gotten little to no buzz. He hasn't been the guy that has been nitpicked to death like a normal top 10 player is. He just doesn't really get discussed all that much, you know, positive or negative. Uh, do you agree with that? And, and why do you think he has not necessarily been, you know, the talk of the town uh, to the degree that we've seen with other uh, pass rushers and other top-end talents? Yeah, I think this is a clear case of out of sight, out of mind. This is a guy that, um, you know, he had his foot injury, right? And that, that kind of ended his career at Texas Tech, if I remember correctly. And then he hasn't did any workouts or anything because of that foot injury. So this is a guy that will be getting healthy as he enters the NFL. So there aren't any, like, data points to critique him on, right? Like, we're talking about a guy that's 6'6", 275 pounds. If he'd have ran a five flat, Maybe would have critiqued him and said that, hey, that was too slow. And if he would have ran a four or five, we'd have said, okay, this guy's athletic freak, right? Like he's something different. We haven't seen this before. But because he's been injured and not been able to, you know, do some of the, I guess the 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 pre-draft workouts, people have just been kind of out of sight, out of mind with him. And I know you're getting a wide variance of where Tyree Wilson could fall, right? Like I've seen as high, I think Lance Zerline just uh, dropped the mock draft and he was number two to the Houston Texans. But then I've also heard reports that, you know, the injury concerns around him and not seeing him and, you know, him being underdeveloped, that this guy can fall to the back end of the first round. So it it, it goes both ways. And I, I think he's probably, if you talk about a guy with high variance come draft night, I think he's the guy. He's the guy that who knows where he goes. I personally, when I watch Tyree Wilson, this is what I see. I see a guy that's 6'6", 270, extremely long arms, explosive punch. He's physical, um, has the potential to be dominant in the run game, but there are some inconsistencies there, right? There are times where he flashes and time where he disappears. And then you're talking about being a pass rusher, right? Getting after the quarterback because that's why you're drafting edge players, right? Like you're not necessarily drafting them and like, man, I want that guy because he's great against the run. You want him to go sack the quarterback. Tyree Wilson still has to develop there. So if I had to pick player comps and usage, I, I see, and it's crazy because I think y'all just signed this guy, Calais Campbell 
And I see some Dietrich Wise, the DN for the New England Patriots. So somewhere in between there for Tyree Wilson. And I mean, if you tell me if you think that's a top 10 pick. Okay. Yeah. I, I was thinking, you know, when I was watching him recently, my player comp for him was maybe Jadavion Clowney. Okay. It, you, you think that works? Yeah. And, and I mean, and it, it goes to that point too, also, right? Where you're talking about a guy that has all the measurables, but what has been the one, I want to say knock on Jadavion Clowney, but the one question mark has been, okay, where's the actual sack production, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we know that you, you get pressure, um, you know, good moving athlete. But where's the actual sack production? And I think that's going to be something that comes up for Tyree Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a fair question mark with Tyree Wilson because you look at Clowney, had all the hype coming out of college for understandable reasons, but has kind of just been a high-end number two rather than the sort of the guy that, you know, is the foundational piece for your pass rush. And I think that's going to be the concern with Wilson. You know, you, you'll get a a good player, but whether or not he'll live up to the billing as that dominant pass rusher, I think is a legit question for him, especially if you take him that high. I agree. I, I think that's a, the way you outlined that. I really like that a high end number two and Jadavion Clowney, if you're talking about, you know, because you could say comps as far as athletic profile, but then there's also career comps. And I think that that's a good comp, right? Because even when Jadavion was in Houston, he had JJ Watt next to him, right? And he could play that complimentary piece. Then he finishes off with Cleveland, right? He has Miles Garrett on the other side. So I really do, I, I like that comp as far as, you know, career-wise, what can happen. Okay, so here with Key Sanchez of the Draft Network and, of course, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast alongside Damian Parson, who will also be making his appearance on Locked On Falcons a little bit later this week. Got to complete the set here. But let's talk a general draft question, Key, for you. Um, when you look at this draft class overall, taking a big picture look, what are some of the position groups that you think are the strongest or deepest? And what are some of the position groups where, you know, maybe it's a little weak, maybe it's a little thin in this 2023 draft crop? Yeah. So the, the deepest to me is cornerback, cornerback, the Falcons. And I know there's, you know, a need for cornerback with the, with the Atlanta Falcons. I think they should easily be able to find one second third round. And I'm talking about starters too. I'm talking about guys I think you can throw in and they immediately have some type of impact. So if you ask me, cornerback is, is the deepest draft, man, because there's so many guys out there that, that are kind of flying under the radar when you're talking about Mississippi State's Emmanuel Forbes, who I think um, I've seen on TV that he has the most pick sixes in NCAA history, right? And you know how long they've been playing college football. So, you know, you're talking about a guy that can get his hands on a football. Then you have a Deontay Banks from Maryland. You have DJ Turner, who we all know ran a 4-2-6 at Michigan. So it's just so many guys outside of those top three or four names that I think the list can just keep on going and going. And if you need a starter, you can find one in the second round. And I feel even feel good about finding a starting cornerback in the third round. Now, you talk about on the opposite side, right? Like what position groups uh, may not be that deep Receiver scares me. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Receiver scares me, man. Um, We have Quentin Johnston, who, to me, he checks the most boxes. We have Jackson Smith and Jigbo, which there were questions about his 40 time, and he ran a 4-4-8. But if I'm being completely honest, I don't think I've seen 4-4-8 on film. Like, I, I, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. You know, that was Ohio State Pro Day. The numbers might have been, you know, going both ways. So, um. And you have Jordan Addison who came in what right at 170 pounds and ran a four five. So it's like, ah, how do I feel about that? Um, Zay Flowers, 5'9, 170 pounds. So another smaller guy. It's a lot of small wide receivers in this draft. So 
this is probably outside of maybe your top two, three guys. I would be perfectly fine with possibly waiting until the back end of the second or the third round. Like if I don't find my guy, you know, if I'm sitting in the back end of the first round and I don't find them, then I'm not reaching for one because there are a lot of slot, small, explosive wide receivers in this draft that I think you can find that guy in the third round. Yeah, it, it feels like, you know, if if you're miss out on Jordan Addison, you can get Josh Downs or Zay Flowers. If you miss out on those guys, you can get like Tank Dell. Uh, it just feels like, you know, at every point in the draft, you can find one of those guys if you're looking for one of those quicker than necessarily fast sort of slot guys that can, you know, you know, you know, just help an offense move the chains and whatnot. And so it's it's like it's a thin crop of wide receivers, but it's kind of deep. Yeah, with, when it comes to a certain player type, right? It's a whole lot of slot wide receivers. You need a small, explosive guy. It's it's really deep at that. Now, when you're talking about your your X wide receivers, your number one guys, I don't think it's a lot of those. So you have to be very strategic in when you decide to draft those guys. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, uh, Keith, I really appreciate your input and your insight into this draft class. Certainly, I think enlightening for the Locked On Falcons listeners. We'll see, you know, what happens with Tyree Wilson a little bit later this month when he does get that chance to work out and, and maybe start to get the buzz that he hasn't necessarily been getting over the last couple of months. Uh, but let the people know, you know, what you, Damian, have for them over at Locked On NFL Draft as well as what you guys have going over at TDN. Yes, definitely. So at Locked On NFL Draft, man, go follow subscribe to locked on nfl draft on youtube or you can do it on apple Podcasts, where all of the podcast networks we're on it man bringing nfl draft content five days a week and and you know we put interesting twists on it right talking about trades and just different scenarios that may pop up uh me and dp we have a really good time man then at the draft network like i said there's more draft coverage man we drop mock drafts weekly um we drop dope content on youtube so man make sure to go like and subscribe there also of course, guys, there's still more to come where we thank Keith Sanchez of Locked On NFL Draft for joining us. But we're going to be talking about if Miles Murphy's pro day is going to help or hurt his draft stock and potentially put him back on the Falcons radar at pick number eight. And we'll get into all of that as we continue today's episode. But of course, uh, given that we just had Keith Sanchez here, I will plug the Locked On NFL Draft podcast uh, where you can find, you know, Keith and his co-host Damian Parson, both of the Draft Network, breaking down, you know, the next uh, crop of stars that, that are going to be, you know, superstars in the NFL every single day on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So, guys, continuing today's episode, let's talk a little bit about Miles Murphy. And this is an interesting week because we got Miles Murphy's personal pro day due to some injuries that he forced him to miss time, uh, you know, in terms of limiting his ability to test the combine. And then at Clemson's school's pro day earlier this offseason, he tested on Tuesday on a private workout. We'll get one tomorrow, I believe, for Illinois cornerback Devin Witherspoon. And so we'll maybe have to revisit it on uh, tomorrow's episode. Uh, and we haven't got the official numbers out of the pro day, but Jordan Reed uh, of ESPN put out on his Twitter from a source that posted some of Murphy's numbers. And Murphy weighed in at 268 pounds, about four pounds lighter than his combine weight of 272. But he posted a 45140, according to Jordan Reed, which would rank in the 96th percentile among edge rushers, a 1.59 10 yard split, which would be 87th percentile a 7.22 second three cone which would be 
85th percentile, a 428 short shuttle, which would be 81st percentile, and a 31-inch vertical jump, which would be 24th percentile. And there's different, you know, Matt Miller of ESPN, Jordan's co-worker, put out a different three-cone, like a 720, slightly faster, uh, a slightly show, slower short shuttle, a 435. But 720 would be 49th percentile, 435 would be about 66th percentile in those various metrics. And these are good numbers for Murphy. He's kind of been a forgotten man through this process that, you know, Two, three months ago, he was being consistently mocked in the top 10. And now you're seeing, I think Mel Kuyper just dropped a mock a week or so ago that didn't have Murphy in the first round at all. And, you know, of these metrics, the 40 time stands out, especially given Murphy's size. And when you do the weight adjusted 40 or the speed score, his speed score is actually better than that of Nolan Smith and Anthony Richardson, two guys that blaze at the combine. It's slightly behind Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis a year ago, which put up like historic uh, speed scores uh, at their various rates. And you, you do see that somewhat translate on the field with Miles Murphy he has a very good get off, although you don't necessarily see him win a ton on the outside with speed rushes in part due to a lack of elite bend, although that three cone is not great. It's, it's fine, especially for a guy his size. We've seen other guys like Ziggy Ansah, Rashawn Gary be 270 plus pounders that had sub four, three short shuttles uh, in terms of that short shuttle, uh, you know, outpacing the three cone in that regard. And seven, two Oh is about the cutoff where, at least based off of my past research, when you look at first round pass rushers, typically the guys that are above seven, two don't go on to be super productive pass rushers in the NFL in terms of their sack production. Um, you know, you look at the guys over since 2010 that had seven, two plus not factoring last year's draft class. You basically have the best guys that had seven, two Oh or higher were Jadavion Clowney, Rashawn Gary, and Bradley Chubb were the most productive pass rushers. And then it's a whole bunch of guys like Tack McKinley would be on that list, uh, as well as some other players uh, that didn't quite live up uh, to the hype. And so that isn't a great group, but, you know, Murphy's right on the borderline of that number. So it'll be interesting to see if he barely breaks 7-2-0 when the official numbers come in, or is he slightly above that? And so the testing numbers can be overrated somewhat because it's not necessarily predictive of NFL success, but in the past, there is a pretty strong correlation or a decent correlation, I should say, not a strong correlation, a decent correlation between sack production in the NFL and athleticism, especially when you look at the agility drills like the three cone, the short shuttle and the explosive metrics like the broad jump. We didn't get a number from Murphy on that number. Uh, but again, correlation does not equal causation. And when it applies to the Falcons, you know, I've personally have put Murphy in recent weeks as like the fourth option for the Falcons at pick eight behind guys like Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, Jalen Carter out of Georgia, Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback from Oregon. And I put Murphy sort of as the fourth likeliest option for the Falcons to pick at eight ahead of B. John Robinson, who I have sort of fifth on that list, uh, the Texas running back. And so, you know, part of the reason I do that is in part due to the con- coaching connection. Uh, his coaching, his position coach at Clemson this past year was Nick Eason, who served as the defensive line coach for several years with Tennessee alongside Arthur Smith. Uh, there and we know from recent drafts that there is a link between you know coaching connections and the evaluation process for this team because the Falcons always stress the makeup of a player and of course the coaches have some sort of insight into that and you look at past draft selections like Troy Anderson 
who Michael Petrie, the Falcons running backs coach, was his position coach at Montana State that led to the Falcons drafting him. Desmond Ritter, head coach of uh, Cincinnati, was Luke Fickle, who goes way back with Mike Vrabel to Ohio State when they were like freshmen at Ohio State. And of course, we know Arthur Smith worships the ground that Mike Vrabel walks on. Kyle Pitts' position coach at Florida was also Justin Peel, the Falcons uh, tight ends coach, position coach when he played in the NFL in San Diego, I believe. Uh, Darren Hall, his position coach at San Diego State, um, was the son of the Falcons' secondary coach, John Hoke, right? And the head coach of San Diego State, uh, Brady Hoke, uh, is John Hoke's brother, right? Drew Dahlman, his dad, Chris Dahlman, played in the NFL with the 49ers alongside Dwayne Ledford when he played for the 49ers back in the late 90s. So, you know, I got to imagine Arthur Smith is going to get that scoop from Nick Eason on sort of Miles Murphy and his makeup. And while I'll re continue to reiterate, we don't exactly know. We can't assume too much of what that, you know, Eason could absolutely be like, yeah, I coach Miles Murphy and he was terrible and he's a bad player and all these various things. Or he could sing his praises. We don't know exactly what that scoop is going to be. But there's also another notable coaching connection that applies to a player that we talked about earlier on today's uh, episode, which was B. John Robinson. His The guy that coached him initially at Texas and recruited him at Texas is Stan Drayton, who served as the running backs coach before Charles London in Chicago alongside Dave Ragone back in like 2016 when Dave Ragone was a quarterbacks coach for the Bears. And Drayton is famous because he also coached Zeke Elliott at Ohio State. He's now currently the head coach at Temple. Um, and I'm sure Dave Ragone, uh, you know, maybe had given his old coaching buddy uh, a holler over the last couple of months as part of that B. John Robinson evaluation process. So these are just interesting nuggets. If we get to April 27th, how important these things are, we have no idea. And they will all be clear in hindsight. April 27th, April 28th, when the Falcons make their draft picks, we're like, oh, there was a coaching connection that we didn't realize or, or something, or that didn't really matter and the board didn't necessarily fall that way. So we'll see how uh, important these variables are when it comes to the final evaluation. But I certainly think Miles Murphy did help himself with a good pro day, uh, should you know be back in various people's first round mock drafts in terms of him being mocked in the top 10. We'll have to sort of see over the next couple of days and weeks uh, as, you know, NFL evaluators and whatnot uh, get this data point and whatnot. But uh, um, we'll leave out with the last little tidbit that is unrelated to the NFL draft. And that is today, Elijah Wilkinson, Falcons, former starting left guard, signed with the Arizona Cardinals. And that gives the Falcons one less veteran option to sign ahead of the draft at the left guard position to compete. With Matt Hennessy for that starting job, the expectation I had was that they would re-sign Wilkinson, have him and, and Hennessy compete for the left guard spot uh, this summer. And, you know, obviously that won't happen now with Wilkinson going to Arizona. We'll, it remains to be seen if the Falcons bring in a veteran to compete with Hennessy. Do they count on Jalen Mayfield or Justin Schaefer to step up? Um, we'll have to sort of see how that goes. Or obviously the other alternative option is taking a left guard reasonably high in the draft for that guy to come in and be a plug and play starter and or push Hennessy for that job. So we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. But as I've said a number of times on the podcast over the last couple of weeks, I do hope and want the Falcons to sign a left guard, but they have one less option now with Elijah Wilkinson, uh, potentially going to be the starting left guard for the Arizona Cardinals this upcoming season. So we'll see how the Falcons fill this hole. Um, and we'll see what the Falcons do in the draft. And I believe tomorrow's episode will feature uh, Keith's uh, co-host uh, at Lockdown NFL Draft uh, with Damian Parson coming on the pod 
to talk his thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons and what their draft plans uh, should be. You know, and if Damien also says, you know, the Falcons should take B.J. Robinson at the top of the draft, then, you know, uh, th- that will be enough, guys. Like, I won't have to do my, you know, B. John Robinson, uh, you know, selling point uh, here on the pod. I'll just leave it to the experts like Keith and, and Damien at this point. So continue to make Lockdown Falcons your first listen uh, so that you can get your either pro or anti B. John Robinson, uh, you know, agenda, whatever side of the fence you, you sit on. Uh, but you, you'll get that. Here on Lockdown Falcons, and for your second listen, check out an additional Lockdown NFL Draft, an additional Lockdown Braves, Lockdown Bulldogs, Lockdown Hawks, Lockdown Sports Atlanta. Check out the Lockdown NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes podcast. Uh, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, breaking it down each and every day how to build a successful NFL franchise. They were just recently talking about, you know, should the Titans trade up to three with the Arizona Cardinals? What would they need to give up? All that various stuff. Uh, a good episode as usual that Kyle and Joe do. So. Uh, subscribe to Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.